Oh, glory. I love that expression. I don't know how many times in my lifetime I've said, Oh, glory. Well, this morning, the homily is on the splendor of the glory of the transfiguration of Christ. Yesterday was transfiguration, and what an incredible feast. So here's how the story goes. One day, Jesus was walking with all 12 disciples, and they were just chatting as they normally did as they went along, and Jesus, you know, turned to Peter, James, and John, and he said, fellas, I, I want the three of you to come in with me. We're going to go on a hike. And so the others were a tiny bit offended, you know, because often those three got taken and the others didn't. Well, this is one of those days when Peter, James, and John were selected from the others. And so the other nine stayed down, and Peter, James, and John, and the Lord started on a hike up Mount Tabor. It's not that bad of a hike. And on the way up, Jesus said, you know, um, fellas, I'd like you to meet some friends this morning. So they get up to the top of Mount Tabor, and Peter, James, and John, I'm sure they're wondering, what are we doing? Why are we going up this? How come the other nine got left down there? And they get up to the top of Mount Tabor, and all of a sudden, folks, this is really hard to get, because we have no way to conceptualize it. All of a sudden, they are on the top of Mount Tabor. It is Jesus. It is Peter, James, and John, and all of a sudden there is an incredible light like nothing that any human being, perhaps save one, had ever seen in all the history of the world. Because standing there in this incredible light, and Jesus is, is just a glow. I mean, he is more radiant, there is, no, there is no expression on earth, really. There is no expression to, to explain how bright this glory, this light was with which Jesus shone. And I don't know how this happened. I've imagined this many times. Here's the way I would kind of like to have, wish it would happen. Uh, Peter, James, and John, I'd like you to meet Moses. And I'd like you to meet Elijah. And can't you imagine Peter, James, and John just standing there, blown out of their minds? I mean, there they are. Moses, 1400 B.C. That's a long time ago. And Elijah, maybe 700? A long time ago. And here they are, Moses and Elijah, Jesus, glowing incredibly, and Peter, James, and John. What would you do? They did the smart thing. They fell on their faces. And you know, often we make fun of Peter for saying, it is good for us to be here. Let us build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Look, I'd have said something a whole lot more stupid if I'd have been up there. I would have been, well, you know. <laughs> there never was a scene like that in all the history of the world, ever. Can you imagine it? A man dead for 1,400 years, a man dead about half that, and the Son of God standing there glowing so they really can't look at him hardly because he is glowing so brightly. Do you think that's a big deal? Well, I would say it is a big deal. Now, interestingly enough, you know, Friday night we sang about these. We sang about Moses, you know, because Moses went up, you know, on Mount Sinai, you know, and he got up there when he got the Ten Commandments and so on. And, when, and Moses went up there several times, and he spoke with the Lord. 
and, and Moses actually, when he was up there, he would, he would be in the presence of God and Moses would start to glow. Some of you don't remember that, huh? And some of you didn't even know it at all, but Moses would go up there and he'd come back and he was glowing with a glow. We call it the Shekinah. Hebrew word, Shekinah, glory. And Moses would come back glowing. The problem with Moses was he'd come down from the mountain. He was glowing and the people were scared to look at him. But Moses would have to put a veil over his face because the glow would fade. And you, know, you didn't look too good. You know, you came down glowing really well. And then just a little bit later, it's fading and everybody's watching. Well, how fast is he going to fade today? Did he get mad at his wife? <laughs> and who, who knows what was happening? But Moses had been, the, and, and Elijah, these two, Moses and Elijah had seen the glory to a degree, just to a degree. Now, this incredible scene, we make this one of the great feast days of the church. We only have 12, yea, 13, 13's Pascha, 12. We only have 12 besides Pascha. Why is this so big? I'm going to give you three reasons today why it is so big, and I'm going to give you those reasons from our hymnody. The Treparian of Transfiguration. The Treparian. Here is how it reads, and then I'll tell you why I'm reading it. When, O Christ our God, you were transfigured on the mountain, you revealed your glory to the disciples in proportion as they could bear it. Whoa! You know, they... they they, they, they got all they could take. In proportion as they could bear it. Now, let your everlasting light, because that's the glory, enlighten us sinners through the intercessions of the Theotokos. O God, thou bestower of light, glory to thee. This is a demonstration of deity. One of the reasons, and it's terribly important, one of the reasons is this is one more demonstration of the deity of Christ. He showed himself as being man, but at the same time as being God. In this particular case, he shows himself as being a man who has the glory of God in him showing through his humanity as well as showing through his deity. He always is that way. You know, every day Jesus ever walked on the earth from the womb of Mary to the manger in Bethlehem uh, to wherever you find him, he was always that way. It was just in mercy God didn't show it because they couldn't bear it. It was impossible to bear. Only the, Peter, James, and John only got it in proportion as they could bear it. The transfiguration, folks, is so important because here is this great demonstration of deity because accompanying this great glory is a voice. Whoa, if I were Peter, James, and John, any one of them, wow, would I have been blown dead at this one. This is my beloved son. Wow, out of the cloud. Why? What's going to happen shortly hereafter? Jesus is going to be going to his passion. They need to know who it is who is going to die on the cross. 
This is no mere man who is going to go through this passion, through the arrest, the cross, the grave, the resurrection, the ascension into heaven, and the sitting at the right hand, and the second and glorious coming, as we'll say in just a few moments. This is no mere man. This is the eternal Son of God in his flesh. And they see him for the first time that they have ever seen him in the glory of God. The other nine never saw it. Mary herself did not see it the same way. These three saw it in an extremely unique way. They saw the glory of God in the humanity of Jesus Christ and understood this one was truly the Son of God. And this testimony needed to be given before his passion. And Peter is going to go back to this and demonstrate this. And so is John later on when they write to show that they were affirmed of who he was because of the transfiguration. First, a demonstration of his deity. Secondly, it is a proof of his voluntary passion. Let me read you the Kentuckian of transfiguration. You were transfigured on the mount and your disciples insofar as they were able beheld your glory, O Christ our God, so that when they see you crucified, they would remember that all your suffering was voluntary and could declare to all the world that you are truly, well, here's a word, the effulgent splendor. Do you know what effulgent means? It means this. Whoa. I mean, just an exploding splendor, as it were. Why the second reason for the transfiguration? A testimony to his voluntary passion. Folks, anybody who looks like what they saw him look like, you don't crucify him against his will. You don't take someone who glows with the glory of God and nail him to a cross unless he says, and I'm not trying to be trite, unless he says, fellas, put the nails there. Soldiers, would you put the spear here? Because they couldn't have done it otherwise. And in our hymnody, we testify to this. It is so important that his passion be voluntary. Why is it important that this passion be voluntary? Because, tritely, no one was holding a gun to God's head. Why did he redeem us? Why did he go through that passion voluntarily? Not out of duty, as St. Paul says, God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. His passion was not out of duty and not just to redeem his creation, which might even be viewed as a selfish reason. His passion was because of his love. It was voluntary. He said, I am going to do this voluntarily. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. It's voluntary. No man takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. And how could the disciples be sure that they saw him transfigured in glory with as much as they could take? And they saw the eternal Son of the Father. They heard the voice from heaven and they realized who this one was. And when they saw him on the cross, they could say to themselves, no one could take this from him. 
he gave it of his own accord. And the testimony is not just for them, but it is for us, because his, his passion was voluntary for you. Lastly, first is a demonstration of his deity. The second is a testimony to his voluntary passion. And thirdly, I don't mean this to be trite, but it's just so easy to do it this way. It was a preview of coming attraction. Because what they saw on the mountain is what you are to be for all eternity. Says St. Paul, 2 Corinthians 3.18, and you all, you, the Corinthian believers, you know the Corinthians weren't the coolest Christians that ever lived? They probably got chastised more than anybody in the whole New Testament. And he says, you, you Corinthians, you all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory that's that Shekinah. That's that transfiguration light. That's that e effulgent glory. Beholding as a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Wow. So what Peter, James, and John saw on the mountain was not just something for them and not just something that the nine would never see because the nine would see it. The three, of course, saw it, but you are going to see it. You who are in Christ, you are going to see it. It is a preview of what you are to be for all eternity. Now I'm dead serious. These deacons whom I sometimes persecute, they're going to glow with glory for all eternity. They're going to look even more so than that. Peter, James, and John could only take it as in proportion as they could bear it. But in eternity, they will glow. You will glow with the glory of God. We have a name for that. We call it deification. Because we partake in the very glory of his deity. We as human beings, not becoming God, but partaking of his glory for all eternity. And Peter, James, and John got a glimpse of it on the mountain that day. Oh, they were on their faces, but they saw enough to know what was taking place. And so here's the splendor, the glory of the transfiguration, this marvelous, marvelous incident in the life of Jesus. Even incident trivializes it. It's infinitely more than that. And these three disciples and apostles on their faces meet Moses. They meet Elijah. They hear the voice of the Father from heaven. And they are given, amongst other things, a demonstration of his deity, a testimony to his voluntary passion, and a preview of coming attractions for them in glory and for all of us. No wonder they could preach the way they did. They saw something, they saw something that irrevocably changed their lives. Now, what you want is to see the same thing. What you need today is a glimpse, at least. At least a glimpse. Even in the rest of this service, pray in your heart to God. God, give me a glimpse. Give me a glimpse. Don't you want that? Don't you want the glimpse? Don't you just want to see just a little bit, as much as I can bear? And you say, well, I can only bear about this much. As much as you can bear but pray that he will give you a glimpse. 
a glimpse of the glory, of the splendor of the transfiguration. It will give you confidence in his deity. It will give you an encouragement in his voluntary passion. And it will give you a vision of what is to come.